Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It is so good to have each and every one of you. I was rocking out on the cajon this morning, so I didn't get to maybe greet you as you came in. It is so good to have you. My name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. Maybe you got to meet her at the beginning of the service. Uh, Maybe you're joining in online. It is good to have you. I know with uh, everything that, that is going on in the world, one thing that I want you guys to know that you can count on is that we will do our best to be here in person and online. I mean, last week we had some problems. We lost all of our, our you know, people online for a bit, but we got it figured out, all right? Um, but I am excited. This week, um, God has been stretching me, and uh, I feel like he knows exactly what he's doing, and uh, I'm excited to present it to you. We're in a series called Bringing It Home, and it is a great New Year's series um, because one thing I know to be true is at the beginning of a new year, we all like this, this freshness. Uh, we want to revisit the good things, and maybe we want to be done with some bad things. This, this whole series is about taking the core values, the things that have made up this church, and actually bringing them into the homes of this church. Um, Because I've told you this, and I'll say it again and again and again, the worst thing that you can ever do for your church family, are you ready? Whether it's Glory Church, or whether you want to go to a different church, or whether you're a part of a different church and you're just visiting, or whether you're watching online and you don't even live here in the city, uh, the worst thing you can do for a group of people is to come and sit in on a Sunday morning and then leave and bring nothing home. Whether it's the people, you're not bringing them home, you're not allowing them into your life. Uh, Whether it's the word of God, you're not bringing it home, you're you're hearing it and then you leave it in the seat. That's the worst thing we could do. And so this whole series is all about taking that which has been the structure of this church, six core values, and saying, all right, if these are the, the six things that make up our church, then they're pretty important for a home life. In fact, so we've gone through this week one, right? Our first value, top values, we live his truth. We don't just learn the Bible. I don't don't want a whole lot of Bible learners. I want Bible livers, right? People who live the word of God, who who walk it, who it's active, and it's an action. And so we attached a homework assignment that week of fasting. Um, Some of you actually, you decided to uh, refocus a lot of things, right? If you remember, we live by what we focus on, what our desires are, are, are centered around, and what our thoughts are centered around. And so we really have this check. What are, well, it's been five days and actually refocus. I want to live his truth, not my opinions. I want to live his truth, not my frustrations. I want to live his truth. And then last week um, was one of my favorites. We love our neighbor. And I shared a story with you of, of Kevin, a guy who came into our past church um, and was overlooked. And I shared uh, this idea that we cannot love who we're above, who we avoid, and the things that we enable. And so we dove into that. If you want to listen to the podcast, you can. This morning, though, I'm excited. Value three. Uh, it does not mean it's the third most important one. It's just in the lineup. Uh, value three, if you want to take a note, run, write this at the top. Maybe you, you're a note taker. Do it. Uh, it's that we serve our home. Value number three, we serve our home. 
And so if you want to title that, do it. If you want to make it personal, I serve my home. If you want to call Glory Church your church, then one thing that you'll be challenged to do is to serve your home, to serve your literal home. Another way that we say this is that we take ownership of our places of influence. Did you know that every single one of you have influence like you do, sad thing about believers is the moment we <laughs> ask Jesus into our life, we became then a leader of who God is to the rest of the world. Some of us, like if you're like me, we had some you know, bad stretches where we led people into a very wrong understanding of who Jesus was. But we all have places of influence and to serve your home is to actually say, I'm going to take this place and I'm going to take ownership in it. I'm going to tend it well. I'm going to make it better. And so uh, what I love about this is it's like a ripple effect. It starts with your little, literal house. How many of you have like a literal place where you, you lay your head? Everyone, right? It starts there and then it works out to your street. How many of you have a street attached to your apartment, Right? And then from the, there, it goes into your city, right? How many of you have a city? Right, we got it. It goes to your church family. It goes to your job. That serving your home extends far beyond, but I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Like, the enemy is going to want to do a few things. Uh, I'm going to need everyone to challenge themselves to sit in because the state of your literal home, you ready for this? Everything you do outside of it will matter not if you're not serving your literal home first. And so as we grow in our church, I want to I disciple people. I want to see life change. But right, our vision is that we see a city changed by homes that are changed. So if you're wanting to do a lot of things outside of your house, while the interior of your house, the relationships are rotting, while your fears are, are, are rampant, then nothing you do outside of the house will matter. It'll be from a fake It'll be from a hardship. It will be from a, a desire to prove yourself. Let's deal with our heart. So I'm, I'm excited to get into this. Because when Kate and I got married, I remember a quote from our pastor. We, we had uh, premarital counseling. Woo, woo. If, you, if, you're, uh, if you're getting engaged or, or are engaged, premarital counseling is the way to go. Um, all right, premarital counseling. Woo. Uh, but I remember talking, and he said this. And I want everyone to hear this. This is a really cool mirror. He said... Point to a relationship, a marriage that has really good communication, that, that has a very clear understanding of where one, one spouse ends and the other one begins, and I will show you a marriage that has a good sex life. Like, that's what he said, and I was like, oh, that took a turn. And we were like, what? Show, point to a marriage that you look up to them, and they, they communicate, they fight well, they don't fight each other. They fight for each other. You show, show me a family that does that, and I'll show you a family that they have a good and healthy intimacy. And we're like, okay. So it's a groundworking, that it's mirrored. You ready for this? Uh, the same exact thing, similar to it. Show me a person who vulnerably serves with other people, who has a clear understanding of where they end and where someone else begins. Some of you blurred it, right? You don't know. You're overly into it, or you... Show me a person who serves their city well, not out of obligation or duty, but out of desire, and I'll show you someone who serves their home really well. It's the same, who, who handles with intimacy, who handles with, with true genuineness that which they have in closed doors. Show me someone who does it outside really well. It's because they do it inside really well. 
And I don't want to be a church that a lot of outside things are happening without inside change. And so we got to serve our home. We have to serve our home. When I teach this value, like I cannot um, stray too far from Romans 12. That's like one of my favorite, like this value is etched in Romans 12. So be prepared to go there. Maybe you have like a Bible app. Maybe you got a printed one. We'll get there. And we're diving into Romans 12 this morning. I was going to try to have a different passage, but I'm like, no, I can't. Romans 12 is the passage for this value. I cannot like stand away from it. Uh, so we'll be there in a minute. But as I've wrestled with this idea of like taking ownership, I want to I paint a picture for you, a little metaphor. There's a difference between owning and renting, right? While you hold your, your place there, there's a difference between owning and renting, a uh, huge difference. Any of you ever like rented a house first? Anyone ever rented an apartment? When you then move into a house, there's a difference attached to owning versus renting or owning a car versus the rental car, right? It's very different. Uh, so much owning that movie versus, you remember when we would rent movies? I had a mentor of mine who like, the boy did not take ownership of his rentals. Like, you would open up the cabinet and there'd be 30 rentals. And he's like, yeah, I paid enough dues on them that I own them by now, more so than one. Like, I, and I'm like, you, because we don't tend the things we rent very well. Think about it. Like, a renter, like, that's a dangerous business sometimes because it's a whole different mindset. Like, it's a contract, but that contract can be manipulated, right? You could pay a little extra to get out of it. Because if you really need to be gone, you can find your way to be gone. Like, it's a contract, but if you need out, you can get out. You manipulate it a little bit. Think about renting. There's this dark side to it. Uh, People show their sin and their flakiness when we rent, don't we? If we don't want to deal with it, we don't have to deal with it, right? If we don't want to deal with the broken faucet, we don't have to deal with it because it's not our faucet right? We can have someone else deal with it. If, if we don't want to deal with it, we don't have to. There's this, this, this awkwardness sometimes. Uh, then the landlord comes in and they're like, how long has the like, countertop been rotting? Oh, for a while. Because you don't think about it as a renter. It's a very different mindset. When things break, when things break, you don't have to be the one to do it, right? When the things leak or squeak, You just call management, and the management deals with it because it's their business, not yours. It's a very interesting thing, leaking, squeaking. It means also that we're a little rougher on the things we rent, right? We're a little rougher. I'll drive someone else's car really far ways because it doesn't ruin my car. But, like, I'd rather do that on that, on those tires, than my tires, right? Because we we deal with things a little differently when we rent I also thought of it this way, like renting, you keep this nice distance between you and all the parties involved. You have a transactional relationship with your landlord, right? You have a transactional relationship because uh, you don't have to change anything. They do. You don't, have to, you don't have to prep anything. They do. You don't have to mend anything. They do. You don't have to fix anything. They do. Can I just tell you, <sighs> some of you are renting the church and it is hurt because of it. Some of you are renting your spouse, and they're hurt because of it. I'll explain this. When it comes to owning, spiritually owning your home, you have to move beyond the renter mindset. Because when something breaks in your marriage, it's not their job to fix it. It's your job to take ownership. When there's a crack on the wall in your marriage, 
you can't just cover it up and let management deal with it. When, when some of you are renting your husband and, and he's burnt out because you won't step in and work with him and deal it with him, there is, I'll tell you, and as that, that festers and, and grows outside of the house, you're wondering, why can't I take ownership in anything of my purpose? It's because you're not taking ownership in the one thing that has been given to you to own. We can't rent in our houses. We can't. Uh, owning is very different. Like, you get everything, the good and the bad. Like, we're struggling to fix a toilet right now. Toilet, I always say toilet. It's my, my, my Arkansan accent comes out with that word. Commode. Um, because when you own it, you get all of it, right? That, that, that toilet that rocks is my rocking problem, right? The, the things that are issues, the foundation problems are yours to fix. Because when you own it, it's a different mindset. Now, some of you, like, you own your marriage. doesn't mean that you have to be the one to fix everything. But it does mean that you take ownership to find the fixer. You take ownership. I, like, texted David. I was like, have you ever changed a flange before? Because, um... I don't know how to get this bad boy off the pipe. Uh, And because when you own something, it's not up to you to fix everything, but it is up to you to figure out who can fix it. And many times you're not even doing that. You notice your marriage is struggling, but you're not even going to the one who can fix it, right? You're not even doing it. And so you're not taking ownership. You're renting your spouse. Why? Because deep down you really think like, I got to protect myself. This relationship is transactional. This job is transactional. I won't be with these people forever. Some of you are renting your coworkers. I won't be with them forever. I'm looking for the next thing. That's cool, but that's the way of the world. Where Jesus said, I'm with these people for three years. I'm not renting them. I'm going to minister to them. I'm going to be present with them. I'm going to serve them well. And so it just takes a whole different mindset when we move from renting to owning, because owning has the cracks with it. You get the equity in the end, right? You also get the rainwater coming on the window and you have to deal with it. Like all the things happen, but you have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. Oh, it's, it's not renting in our places. If I can be so bold, like your mindset of renting has made you deny taking ownership of things. And it's come out in things that you didn't realize. It's hurt your sense of purpose at work. It's hurt your sense of purpose financially. It's hurt your sense of purpose in a church. You're worshiping and singing, but when you go back home, it feels so disconnected. And you're thinking that it's the other person's problem, but when it comes to tending our home, we say, Jesus, there's a sense of ownership that I need to have too. Sense of ownership that I need to have too. We were not made to just drop it off when it gets hard to the management. And I, so some of you, I need to, we were made by God to step in and fix it. Made able, made able. In my journey of church planting, like if you know me, uh, if you know me, my journey of church planting has been a little rough at times. Um, I have attached physical things onto what I think God is doing which is normal, right? We do this all the time. But it's my flesh constantly wants physical proof that God's at work. We all do that. But I, it's been like, it's been a prod, a thorn in my flesh that I'm like, God, I need to move beyond that. So for the longest time it was like, where are we going to meet at? And the YMCA wasn't a thing. There was no one there. You remember like, we're, we're launching in three months, I told you in December of 2018 
or 2019. We don't know where we're launching at, but we're doing it in three months. There's no place, so I don't know. And still in this now, I'm like, God, we will be more solidified as a church, whatever lie we want to paint, when this happens, right? When we get the building, then all the things of your goodness will sort of burst forth. What a lie, right? What a lie. If, you want, if I can mirror that for you, for a while, uh, Kate and I, we feel this desire. Kate, Kate would love uh, more space exterior to our house um, and less space inside the house. She's tired of cleaning all the rooms and would love just some land for the kids to play in. And so this is a dream that's been on our heart for a while. And so we've been praying through it and talking through it. God had to do a heart check with us last semester where Kate literally quoted this and then it hit me uh, pretty hard. She said, I've just decided that the life inside of our home needs to be more peaceful instead of this peace coming from a different home. Why? Because inside the home is where things flow outside. You keep wanting the new job to give you peace, but you're not searching for what the Lord is doing in your home now. It's not going to give you more peace. And the same thing with the church, right? Like God literally was like, Greg, that's what I want you to have for this church. I want the things inside the church to have peace before we even think about changing the home as peace. And so I think that's why this has been this awkward, like, this awkward uh, pause as we wait for the, the, the Lord to, to move. Well, that's why everything keeps having this longer timetable with it when it comes to this building, because that's not going to give us peace. Let's do peace now. Let's serve our home now. Let's fix things now. Let's deal with the problems now. Let's deal with the problems now. You're here for a reason. You're right here for a reason. I wrote this down that when things break, you have been made, God, made able by God to step in. And then, like, we've shared this a lot. If you put this little formula up, uh, chaos known plus chaos owned equals peace shown. That's a fun little, little formula. I've, I've spoken this. I've taught this for years. Um, this is why chaos is still in your house. Because you know it, but you don't want to own it. You want them to. This is why chaos is still happening in your marriage. Because you know it but you're not owning it, and so there's nothing fixed because you think they need to own it. Honey, we all need to own it. Like, we all need to. This is why you're not feeling peace in your job place because you're noticing the chaos, but you're not taking ownership of the relational things that you can, and so it's still there. This is why it's still happening. You see the problem in our church, wondering why the leadership isn't doing it, but you're not realizing that you have the gift to do it. That's not my gifting. I don't know. That, there's a hole for a reason because you're to plug it. Like you're to, you're to do it. So chaos known plus chaos owned is when peace is shown. And peace isn't like passive. Peace isn't passive. Peace is powerful. It's active. Peace is powerful. When this happens, when things are squeaky, then you fix it. When things are broken or leaking, you step forward to help out. Like when things are happening, you vulnerably step in, right? I love it because in Philippians, I was thinking of this this week. Like he, he calls the Philippian church to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who did not consider his equality with God to be something to take advantage of, right? Jesus wasn't like, I'm God, so everyone bow. Instead, he humbled himself in the form of a servant, in the form of a servant, and chose to be obedient to the point of death. 
Some of you never will peace be shown in your life because you're not taking the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who though you have the right to be angry, you have the right to be frustrated, he denied it and put himself under. Let's deal with it. Let's actually get under, humble. We serve our home. I know you're above that problem because you're angry with it and you're done with it. And they did that and it hurt you. But let's actually pause and take the attitude of Jesus, who did not consider his equality. Some of you, husband and wife, there's equality in that. Husbands, you need to stop considering your equality with your wife to be taken advantage of and humble yourself. Wives, you need to take, stop taking the equality with your husband of that you're both children of God to be to your advantage and humble yourself. Do you know like Ephesians literally says submit to one another? Submit to one another, both of you. Relationally, we need to submit to one another. It's interesting like <laughs> we often uh, <laughs> we often leave the car in the garage thinking that the car in the garage is a safe place for it to sit for the season. But if you think about it, like a car sitting in the garage, some of you are car people, for a long time is actually the worst thing to do for that car, right? You're protecting it under the garage, right? No. I, my dad had the 70 Chevelle growing up and like clockwork. I don't know if he had like, I don't know what he did. He's, he's just crazy. It's like clockwork. Monthly, he would turn that car on, back it up, repark it again. He's not driving it, but it's the 70 Chevelle, it's his baby, and he's not going to let it rot under the carport. Rot happens when we leave things where they are. We know this in all things, but we still do it. If I just leave my marriage in the state that it's in, it, we'll deal with it later. If I just leave this in my, my fears, if I just don't like mess with them, then it won't get worse. But like things in the garage are going to be worsened if they're not ran, if they're not worked, if they're not worked up. As that struggle sits, as the cracking of the foundation of your relationship sits, as that lie sits, as that, as that uh, compromise sits, you're not doing it anymore, but it was done. As that issue sits, it festers. Another way to say this, uh, you want to write this down, this is weird, but it makes sense after you read it. Time makes no movement move backwards. So you're like, what? Time makes no movement actually move backwards. Meaning the longer you sit and not move forward, you're actually moving backwards. The longer you sit and not actually fixing that relational problem with your friend and not serving your home, it's going to get worse. The longer you sit and not deal with this lack of, of, of integrity in your heart, but you're not doing that thing anymore, but you haven't asked for forgiveness, it moves backwards. The longer that we sit, and this is like the longer I sit and let my children still act the way that they are without stepping in and interceding and pausing and talking. Like the longer that we sit and allow this structure of no talking about Jesus when an issue happens with my children, then we actually move backwards in, in this idea of the belief that we're implanting in our child's heart that they can rely on him, right? Like it's, it's, it's this very different, if we leave stagnant, and just act like we'll deal with it when it happens. No, it actually moves backwards. 
it actually moves backwards. Like, here's a little facade, a uh, little like aside. Um, those who are parents, there's a good amount. Like, we're here. We, I'll just talk to the parents in the room. Um, I learned really early on. I was in a family and sexuality class. Um, the earliest you can talk with your children about how to make healthy connections with people, the better. Why? Is because no movement, I'm not ready to talk about that, no movement happens. Why? Because decay happens in the world. The enemy knows how to form bad connections with people, right? So if we can constantly get on top of things and move forward in what the Lord actually does say when it comes to either sexuality or when it comes to healthy connections or when it comes to how we talk about things, we're moving forward. Stagnant and just trying to deny it, the enemy is not denying it, right? Like (laughs) the world is not denying it. And so while you are silent, things are still moving in the direction of the world, which is in the opposite direction of the kingdom. Time makes no movement, move backwards. And I, the same thing happens to your heart. There's an entropy. When things are left alone, they rot. When things are left alone, they mold, they mold. But again, like Jesus undoes them. Like, I love this about it. Like, uh, there's a voice of the enemy at all times, but there's also the voice of the Lord, right? There's the voice of the enemy in your home, but there's a voice of the Lord too. And serving our home means contributing to that voice, that voice, actively contributing to that voice. I mean, think about Jesus. I wrote some things down. Every conversation he had, he made the most out of it. He handled it well. He dealt with things that were going on. Every conversation, he stewarded it in his control, like everything. I mean, he was powerful. You see, peace actively, it moves forward. It's not stagnant. I think you're, yeah, he's like going crazy a little bit on the slides. Uh, I think it's slide seven, if you want it ready. You cannot serve in what you lack peace in. And so we're going to just, sometimes, we, uh, we forget that, that peace is, is not choosing to not engage with the problem. Peace is actually engaging with the problem because it, it fixes. Peace is actively choosing to reconcile. Peace, and so there's a voice of the enemy that brings decay, but there's also the voice of the Lord that brings peace, true reconciliation. And so peace is noticing the cracks and fixing it, right? Peace shown, chaos known, plus chaos owned, brings a peace. And you cannot serve in well what you lack peace in. And so I just, we're going to have a little, um, a little pause, and I want you to actually close your eyes. Where are the moments and places and interactions and relationships in your life that you lack peace in? You lack peace in. You feel like you're walking on eggshells. You lack peace in. You feel like there's never a movement forward because you lack peace in it. You cannot adequately serve in the places that you lack peace in. And you're wondering why it's not moving forward. Now, with your eyes closed, there's a fun thing that the enemy likes to do when you don't feel peace in something. He likes to use the word of God against you And say, you don't feel peace in it because God doesn't want you to do it. You don't feel peace in bringing up that conversation right now. And it's because God just doesn't want you to actually bring it up yet. It's not time. You don't feel peace yet. No, honey, you don't feel peace because you've been sinning. 
You don't feel peace in the church because when you move forward with it, you actually have to deal with yourself. But often the enemy's like, you just don't feel peace there, so that's not your people. And the Lord's like, no, I'm speaking peace there. But you're not hearing. As I just, uh, all eyes now open, the honest truth is that though you may be lacking peace there, it's not that he's not speaking it. Right? It's not that he's not speaking it. Stop saying it just must not be for me. No. The Lord has called you to take ownership in it. And so if you remember this value, uh, Romans 12, the voice of the Lord, like, it, it rejoices when people rejoice, brings peace. It's, not, it's just not who I am to, to be that peppy person. No, when, when the church rejoices, you rejoice. When the church weeps, you weep. And so here, chapter 12, verse 9, Paul says, guys, let your love be genuine. I want you to start hating what is evil and actually like hold fast to what is good. You want to serve your home well, love one another with a mutual affection. You want to serve your home well, outdo one another in showing honor. <sighs> outdo one another in showing honor. Not like grading how much honor they give you. You outdo them in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Some of you have been lagging zeal in your home. You're not, you're, you've lost your ardent in spirit. You've lost fervor in spirit. You're not serving the Lord anymore. You're serving your own desires. Rejoice in hope, he says. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. I mean, this is literally what it looks like to serve your home. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and don't curse them. Our fighting techniques have to be different, right? Married people. When someone uh, persecutes you, you don't curse them. You bless them. And, and this is a very different thing because now we're going to operate not by the voice of sin, but by the voice of peace. That's how we tend our home. It says extend hospitality to strangers. It says rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. You want to serve your home well? When, when this, an issue is happening, pause and take note of it. Mirror the joy or mirror the sorrow. That's a best way to serve sometimes. Notice the state. It's joyful. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get beyond myself and praise the Lord with them. It's sorrowful. I'm going to get beyond myself and, and mourn to the Lord with them. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be claimed to be wiser than you are. This is, this is gold. So you just need to do this this week. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. But take thought of what is noble in the sight of all. And if it is possible, as so far as it depends on you, not like if, if you're struggling to do it, then don't do it. This isn't your caveat. No, if it's possible on your job, like in your part, you live at peace. It, is mad, it does not matter if they live at peace with you. You, li you live at peace with them. We serve our home. We serve our home. We serve our home. And then Paul tells the Colossian church, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. You see, peace is so closely related to serving. It is. When we live in peace, we contribute to the voice of peace. When we lack peace, we don't contribute anymore, right? We start munching. We start just consuming. I love this. Like the best thing about God's people and the church is that you can like make the cake and eat it too. Like that you contribute to it and you get to consume it. But when we don't feel peace, we start just consuming. 
we just start consuming, and then there's nothing good about it. Our flesh gets consumed, like we get consumed, our fears are consuming, all of it. Peace is so closely related to taking ownership. But in my, uh, my experience, I can attest to the fact that when I don't feel peace, um, when I'm struggling with sleepless nights, uh, when I don't feel peace in things, when there's a conversation that I haven't had yet, when uh, there's a, a worry that I haven't dealt with yet, when there's a fear that I've been running my mind with, those are the moments when my zeal lags. You know, it says be zealous. When I stop serving with love. Those are the moments when I, I, uh, I stop wanting to weep with other people because I'm like, why, aren't it, why isn't anyone noticing that I'm, in, I'm, I'm weeping? Those are the moments when I don't want to rejoice with other people because I'm like, I'm waiting for the thing that I want to rejoice over. You see, when we get stuck in the lack of peace, it's bad. It's harmful. I, uh, I had a dark day this week. Uh, I did. I will be the first to say I always want to lead with vulnerability. Uh, anyone ever struggle with, like, anxiety? Is it real? Yep, it's real. Uh, anyone ever struggle even, like, with, with depressive thoughts? They're real. I had a dark day this week and um, really frustrated really lonely, like really angry, really isolated. I was just on the couch. Uh, it was a long day. Finished the day on the couch, and uh, Kate was talking with me. And if you know anything about my wife, uh, she is a really good listener. But when she starts talking, she also has a good sword. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's got a good sword. And she was a little blunt with me. Um, and I need the tough love, but I'm like, why, why can't you just like sit with me in this a bit? And she's like, cause I'm tired. You just need to stand up. Like you need to get over this. Like this is, this is, and so this is what she said. You are sitting in this frustration, but you're think you're, you're missing out on thankfulness and your thankfulness has not been there. And so you've been mean, you're frustrated and it's coming out on people you got to stop. Where's your gratitude? And I'm just like, but I'm not ready to know. No, where is, like, for every one thought of fear, you need to think of five thoughts of thankfulness. And I'm like, that's just too many thoughts. And she's like, for every one thought of frustration, you need to think of five thoughts of thankfulness. And then she just walked away. <laughs> I'm just on the couch. <laughs> she's, I'm done. I'm going to do dishes now. I'm done. I say this because the ability for us to contribute to the needs of others is fueled by thankfulness. It is. The ability for you to contribute to the needs of others is fueled by thankfulness. Um, another way that we could say it, your lack of peace might be the result of little thanksgiving. You're not thankful, and so you're not serving your home. You're not you're full of gratitude, and so you're not taking notice of the issues in your job because you don't want to be there. The more you are angry or frustrated, the actual more the enemy works in things in his favor. But we are peacemakers, so we got to overcome this with thanksgiving. And so I wrote some things down, and they're going to go pretty quick, but here you go. Service without thankfulness is just a few sleeps away from burnout. 
Service without thankfulness is just a few sleeps. You're serving at the food pantry. You're serving on Sunday mornings. You're serving on the worship team and you got Thursday night practice and then Sunday morning early. If you're not thankful, that's just a few sleeps away from burnout. And you're gonna be angry by everyone else. Why Why does Gabby always make me serve? Why does Gabby always have me up here? Why do I always have to serve in kids ministry? Check your heart. You're serving without thankfulness. What I do know is those children are thankful to see you. What I do know is it is a light of their face when they see you. Another one, nice actions without thankfulness is just a few thoughts from bitterness. Nice actions without thankfulness is just a few thoughts from bitterness. And you've been there. Let's go back some. You've been there. Another one. Godly deeds without thankfulness is just a few steps from pride and frustration. It is. It's just a few steps. Well, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all of these things. Why aren't they? Why aren't they? I'm doing this. You see? Godly deeds without thankfulness, it leads you there pretty quickly. Another one, prayer without thankfulness, is a few breaths from complaint. Stop praying that your marriage would be healthy if you're not actually going to be thankful for the marriage that you have and make it healthy. You're just complaining to the Lord about wanting him to be changed, wanting her to be different. You're just praying to the Lord about wanting a a job to be different. No, pray with thanksgiving. Or else it's just complaint. Another one here is singing without thankfulness. It's just a few beats from heartless chanting. We can tell the difference. We can feel it. Someone's chanting in the room because they're not thankful. Someone's chanting in the room. Who are they chanting to? They're not thankful. And the last one, that'll be done. Attendance without thankfulness is just a few weeks away from absent abandonment. You're attending, but you're not thankful for what God has done in your church. You're attending, but you're not thankful for what God has taught you. You're attending, but you're not allowing it. And so it's just a few weeks away from just MIA. And I can't do anything about it. Like I have, I, I, Kate would be proud of me. I'm not going to force people to come if they're not thankful. That's why, like, honestly, that's why I love the poor. That's why Jesus loves the poor because they're poor in spirit and they're thankful for the Lord. I will take the poor in spirit over attenders any day because they're thankful. They're thankful. Jesus says, find the faithful and make them able. Some of you are able, but you're not thankful. (laughs) You're able, but you're not thankful. And I'm just like, bye, have a good day. You don't have the spirit in you. You're not, you're angry. You're bitter. You got a, you got a chip on your shoulder. You got something to prove. You see, I thought of this like adamantly. What silences Greg's Thanksgiving? I mean, it really had, uh, there was a lot this week. There was a lot. But it goes back to Romans 12. Like, I am not thankful when I hold fast to what Greg thinks is good. I am not thankful when I start hating what is good, <laughs> when my love is ingenuine, I lose thankfulness. When I don't love one another with mutual affection, I 
lose my thankfulness when I start wanting to outdo other people in everything else but honor. When I want to outdo people in my, my service, because I'm like, I'll just show them how to do it. I'll show them how, I'll, maybe they'll prove. You know, I could show them. I'll, I'll, I'll model it. No, 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 no. You lose thankfulness when you stop rejoicing. When you stop being patient in suffering. We're not thankful anymore when we're impatient. When we, when we lag in prayer. When we stop contributing to the needs of others. When we close our door to the hospitality of strangers, you lose your thankfulness. When you close your door to the hospitality of strangers, when you start persecuting those who bless you and persecuting those who persecute you, you lose your thankfulness. Some of you, there's people rejoicing all around you, but you won't rejoice, and so you're losing your thankfulness. There's people weeping around you, and your inability to want to weep with them is destroying your thankfulness. Live in harmony. So be at peace with all. Like I really, like this is, if I could take a note of why I struggle with thankfulness as of late, it's because of one of those things. It is. If you're wondering why you don't have peace at home, it's probably because of one of those things are not being done. Because thankfulness is not funding. It's not, it's not flourishing. It's not growing your actions. It's a homework assignment. It's pretty easy. The very thing that came to your mind when you said, I don't have peace in here, I want you to not move forward until you move forward with thanksgiving. And so I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes. Bring it back to your mind. What is the thing, the place you don't have peace in? I don't have peace here. Before you start asking God to do another thing, <laughs> literally, uh, before you start asking God to do another thing there, can you just thank him? Can you just praise him for what he has done there? Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.